Welcome to Earth Matters here on Gila Members Community Radio, KURU 89.1 FM Silver City. This is Allison Civic, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm the Executive Director of Gila Resources Information Project, a nonprofit advocacy organization that promotes community health by protecting our environment and natural resources. And I have to say, it feels great to be back on the air with Earth Matters. We took a short break and we're now back kicking off our 10th year here on Gila Members Community Radio with a new focus for the program. And everyone knows that climate change is the existential challenge of our time. And here in New Mexico, we've been experiencing the effects of climate change, like long-term drought, reduced snowpack and stream flows, and a hotter, drier climate. So the Gila Resources Information Project and the Upper Gila Watershed Alliance are relaunching Earth Matters as a bi-weekly program that will help you understand how New Mexicans are rising to the climate challenge and how you can too. And we'll be focusing on understanding what we can do to draw down our climate change and carbon emissions, restore our land and water, and adapt to harsher, more challenging conditions. Now, each hour-long episode will bring you conversations with people working on the ground to address climate change in the Southwest and provide you with information on how you can make a difference and help bring collective action to this global crisis. And today, I am really excited to have with me one of those people working really hard on the climate crisis here in New Mexico. Camilla Feibelman. She's executive director of the Rio Grande chapter of the Sierra Club. And um, the Rio Grande chapter represents over 10,000 members. And Camilla works with hundreds of volunteers throughout New Mexico and West Texas to protect special places um, and to help curb global warming while stimulating the economy through renewable energy development. And One of uh, Camilla's really top honors was she was uh, appointed by President Obama and confirmed by the U.S. Senate as a trustee on the Morris K. Udall and Stuart L. Udall Foundation in 2014. That's a huge honor, Camilla. Well, welcome, Camilla. Thank you, Allison. It's so nice to hear you and um, be with you in this 10th anniversary season of the show. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's great to have you back. We've talked multiple times, I think, over the years. And, and but today I invited Camilla to talk to us because she was at the center of environmental advocacy and climate related bills during this year's legislative session. And I have to say, she did a tremendous job coordinating all of the advocacy efforts. I don't know, Camilla, how you did it, because really it was jaw-dropping amazing just to keep her, you know, hurting cats and just keeping everybody on task. And um, so great job. And we really appreciate what you did. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Allison. And, you know, I have to say it's such a team effort, you know, in the Sierra Club alone, you know, the other staff members with expertise on things from, um, you know, climate reductions that can happen in the electric sector um, to people who know voting rights issues, and then all of the volunteers who help. Um, we've got a big grassroots lobby list of people who are just willing to activate at the drop of a hat 
not to mention all of the other organizations, including your own, that are so active. And one of the great things about New Mexico is that our environmental coalition is really united and we work together really well and everybody brings something to the table. And um, so it's just, it's, it's really good conditions to work under. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the volunteer base and all of that organizing really paid off because, you know, one of the um, issues that was particularly contentious and that we're going to focus on for today's show was Mm -hmm. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's Hydrogen Hub Act um, to incentivize a hydrogen power industry in the state and put New Mexico in the running to access some of the um, $8 billion available from the Biden administration's infrastructure infrastructure bill that was set aside for these so-called hydrogen hubs. But Mm -hmm. environmentalists and other critics say that hydrogen production can actually increase our carbon footprint rather than reducing our carbon emissions. And Camilla, you are, in my opinion, the best person to help us Mm -hmm. unpack this issue. So it's complicated. It's not going away anytime soon. The governor has just gone ahead, even though the Hydrogen Hub Act failed. She's actually signed an agreement with with other states to work together to access some of this money. So mm-hmm. let's dive in. Let's let's, yeah. let's let's dive in here. And you know, uh, one thing that we should probably do to kind of kick things off is is tell us a little bit about hydrogen power. Cause I'm not sure how many people really are familiar with it. Like what's yeah. the theory behind hydrogen really being a clean source of energy? Yeah, it's a great theory. question. And I, you know, our coalition and we as individuals just spent weeks trying to even understand what hydrogen is. You hear about it, H2O, you know, it, it, hydrogen is the most common molecule in our world, it's very small, but it's never found alone. It's always attached to other molecules and um, or atoms. And so what that means is that to get hydrogen, you need to use power. And hydrogen itself isn't actually a fuel source, but it's, it's, a, it's something that can hold energy. So in trying to understand whether hydrogen power is viable, you have to look all up and down the supply chain. So first you have to ask, well, where are you going to get hydrogen? You can either get it off water or you can get it off natural gas. It's part of the natural gas molecule. If you get it off water, you know, that's not so bad, except that you need to ensure um, that there's actually enough water resources. So maybe if you were getting hydrogen off a polluted water source, you wouldn't really want to get hydrogen off fresh water because we don't have very much. Um, But most hydrogen now, currently 90% of it is harvested off of natural gas. So inherently, there is a point of pollution there because you're extracting that natural gas, um, you know, through oil and gas extractive processes. Now, once you've decided where you're going to get the hydrogen, then you have to decide, well, what power source are you going to use to knock that hydrogen off whatever molecule it's on? So you could use renewable energy 
And some people will say, well, green hydrogen is from water powered by renewable energy. But you have to ask yourself, is using that renewable energy worth it? Would it be better just to use that renewable energy directly for something else? Um, and in the case of fossil fueled hydrogen, they just use more natural gas um, to bump off uh, the hydrogen from the natural gas itself. So you are burning fossil fuels um, to then harvest that hydrogen. Now, once you have the hydrogen, there's a question of what do you do with it? What's the use? Are you going to combust it, meaning burn it to generate electricity, let's say. So if you burn it, that's going to create on the ground air pollution. If you put it into what's called a fuel cell, then you won't have any of that sort of transportation, uh, sorry, any of that pollution. So really understanding the full concept of hydrogen is key. And so what we say is, you know, hydrogen as a concept isn't, you know, inherently problematic because there are so many different areas that you can um, potentially use hydrogen for, but we need to stop with, or start, I should say, with what the end use is. Why do you need this hydrogen? And unfortunately, the most recent efforts have just been sort of like, yeah, hydrogen's great, we should do this. Um, instead of saying, what are the areas of our economy that are truly very hard to decarbonize that can only be done with hydrogen? And if they have to be hydrogen, uh, done with hydrogen, then, um, you know, how can we make that the least damaging in terms of the environment? Right. And, and, and so maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of nomenclature that was mm -hmm. flying around the legislature, the blue hydrogen versus green hydrogen. And what does that really mean? And, and why is blue hydrogen bad for the climate? Right. Yeah, so there's you hear all these rainbow colors, and it gets a little bit into what I was talking about, which is where you get the hydrogen from. So the what is called green hydrogen right now is hydrogen that's extracted from water, and that that process is powered by renewable energy. Um, you know, that's probably the least environmentally damaging way to go. But you do have to, again, ask, do we have enough water and could the renewables be better used for something else? With blue hydrogen, the idea is that you do power the harvesting of the hydrogen with fossil fuels, but that you're ostensibly capturing the carbon in that process. And so now I'll explain the process a little bit more. So you take fossil fuels, right? You take uh, natural gas and you put it into something called a steam methane reformer. You power this machine with fossil fuels to get the hydrogen off. And in that process, you produce CO2 and that CO2 needs to be captured. If you capture that CO2, then it's blue hydrogen. If you just emit that CO2 into the atmosphere, like the company Biotech does, then it's just gray hydrogen. Um, and so those colors don't actually deal with what we call the upstream pollution issue, which is, is natural gas being spewed out during the natural gas extractive process, which isn't directly part of the hydrogen generation process, 
but it's part of the whole life cycle of carbon, uh, of calculating the carbon that's generated from harvesting hydrogen. So it, it's confusing, um, but any implication that blue hydrogen is somehow a zero carbon emitting um, process is just not true. Right, right. And, and, Camilla, tell us, I mean, it, you know, hydrogen power also, you know, super energy inefficient. It's also very expensive. Why, why is this technology being pushed in the first place? If it really um, in the end, doesn't seem like a very viable carbon uh, emission reduction technology who, you know, why is it being pushed, especially at the federal level with making all this money available? through the yeah. hydrogen hub stuff. Well, I think that there, there are two ends of the spectrum in answer to that question. One is that the oil and gas and fossil fuel extractive industries are very good at um, keeping their industry alive. And so they want some additional use uh, for this natural gas um, that often comes with the extraction of oil. And um, they're also really good at greenwashing, making it seem like this is some quick, easy fix to the, to the climate crisis. Um, but I do want to put a caveat there, which is there are certain industries where it is not clear how to decarbonize. For example, in the creation of cement, Apparently, just the mixing of the mineral elements creates a greenhouse gas without any combustion or anything else. Um, and so my understanding is that there are certain hydrogen processes ca that can be um, useful there. Some people have talked about, you know, heavy trucking or um, ocean shipping or aviation, um, and that if you could figure out a hydrogen fuel um, that that might be helpful. But the problem is you also have to develop all of this infrastructure to support that. Um, so when it comes to just trans, you know, passenger transportation, like in our regular cars, it doesn't really make sense um, to transition to hydrogen because there's no infrastructure. California has tried, um, but the number of fueling stations just aren't there and the efficiency isn't really good. Not to mention the fact that, you know, to get the amount of hydrogen that you need to power a vehicle, you have to apply a lot of pressure to it to pack the hydrogen in. So, you know, you could have like five to 700 atmospheres of pressure in these canisters, and that makes them highly explosive. Um, many fuels are explosive, but you, but that's really explosive. So you have to figure out how to manage all of that. Um, and so that's why we're so firm in saying, you know, you don't want to just generally incentivize hydrogen. That doesn't make sense. It's not um, true to what the real technology is. But if you start from the end use and say, what are the areas we just don't have the technology to decarbonize and let's work backwards from there, then you may find um, some key areas where hydrogen could be helpful. Okay. Well, Camilla, we'll be right back after this short break and we'll talk more about hydrogen power with our guest today, Sierra Club's Camilla Feibelman. Stay tuned. 